When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 5050 Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Michael. Alongside me, my friend and co-host, Mason. Say what's going on, everybody. What's happening, everyone? Thank you for tuning back for the uh, finale of our Faves and Fades series. We're hitting the tight ends today. Obviously, the uh, I think it's safe to say the least important position in fantasy football. Maybe quarterback slides in there, but... Uh, a little bit of a relaxed episode here, but we still got some spicy hot takes for this position. So uh, still still a good one. Looking forward to it. And then uh, we're, we won't say it yet, but we're trying to, trying to plan something a little special for our late week episode. So keep an eye out for that. Likely we'll be dropping on Friday, and we're, we're trying to cook something up for you. So we're looking forward to that. But Mikey, let's get going on the tight ends here. I want to hear your first faith. All right, man. Yeah. First fave at the tight end position um, is a guy that many fantasy owners might have a still a little bit of a sour taste from last year with, um, but it's TJ Hawkinson. And I'm saying he is a fave of mine because I think his last year's performance kind of dropped his ADP now to a level that I don't understand really why. Um, he's being drafted now. They rank him at about tight end eight, seven or eight. But before he got his season cut last year short from injuries, um, for the first 13 weeks of his season, he was sixth in points per game, fifth in targets per game, and first in route participation, and even third in target share. So he had the numbers there for that first 13 weeks. I just think that the lines weren't that great. And because of that, he couldn't really get it going. And now um, they're a little bit better this year, I think. I think they'll be slightly better offensively this year. They have more weapons back. Swift will create space. Amon Ra will create more space. And I think this will kind of give Hawkinson more room to kind of operate with. I think for a while there that people really thought it was more on him. But I just think he battled a lot of injuries last year. Wasn't really fully healthy. Um, But this year, he's been pretty much fully healthy this offseason. He's had time to really improve his game, it seems. 
And I think that if you draft with a tight end spot, tight end eight spot, sorry, I think there's a lot of upside there, um, especially compared to guys that are being drafted around him. Um, like another guy that I'll be talking about later would be Dawson Knox, uh, Ertz, Goddard. I think Hawkinson is a way higher ceiling than all those three other guys. And I think that he could easily kind of surpass that tight end five maybe this year. Who knows? Like tight ends are kind of such a, you never really know. It's a shot in the dark, really, besides the top two, in my opinion, and top three this year now. Um, but really, I think that out of all these tier two guys in the tight end position, I think Hawkinson might be able to um, be up at the top there and not at the tight end eight spot. And I think that just because of his last year's struggles and his injuries, people really don't want to take him there. But I really think that at where you're drafting him, it's a pretty much a steal. And I understand that he might not be Goff's number one guy, but he was also Goff's number one guy last year when there was no really dignified wide receiver one and defenses were playing very hard on him. But I think now that this year that Amon Ra broke out, um, they have a few more guys in there. Swift's fully healthy. That'll give space to Hawkinson more. And I think that he'll have more room to really go through with. So as far as my first fave goes, it is Mr. TG Hawkinson. Yeah, I'm okay with that personally. Um, taking a look here, um, just for those fans that don't know, in our me and Mikey's personal uh, main league, we do play tight end premium. So as of right now, in tight end premium, Hawkinson is tight end seven. I've got him at tight end seven. So I'm very indifferent on him. I, I think he is kind of the end of that tier for me. He's the end of that um, second tier of tight ends. So I, I like him for that purpose. But I think he is, in terms of position, going going in the right spot. Uh, my first fave is probably the only tight end, in my opinion, that uh, that has the potential to end tight end one outside of Travis Kelsey. And that is Kyle Pitts. He was the greatest tight end prospect of all time coming, coming out of college. He comes in, puts up a 1,000-yard rookie season, something that hadn't been done since Mike Ditka as a tight end. And now he's going to Marcus Mariota as a quarterback who has always heavily targeted his tight ends. Delaney Walker was an elite fantasy tight end while Marcus Mariota was his quarterback. And then even the couple games where he started for the Raiders, uh, Darren Waller went absolutely off in those games. So this is a guy that loves to throw it to his big targets, his tight ends and Darren or sorry, uh, Kyle Pitts has all of the all the talent needed to capitalize on that opportunity he's going to get. So I think this is a guy that's going to get a lot of targets, has the talent to capitalize, and they just brought in Drake London, who's going to actually pull some attention off of him in the red zone. If you watch last year, Kyle Pitts, yeah, he only had one touchdown. He was the only somewhat threat in the red zone on that entire offense. So we're going to see a little more space for him. And I, I see a large, large increase in his touchdowns this year. And that's why I currently do have Kyle Pitts as my tight end two overall. Yeah. And you've seen a lot of these um, statements about Pitts online saying, yeah, we know he did this last year, but, and I don't really know where they're getting this idea of this, but thing too, because I don't know how Kyle Pitts, you see this talent and he's not going to do better this year. It's almost like the Jefferson thing from last year when people didn't really want to draft him that high because it's like, okay, yeah, he had a great rookie year, but will he really do it again? Well, Pitts will do it again, just like Jefferson did it again. And I really think you don't get fancy here and just take him. Like you said, Mariota loves throwing to his tight ends and Pitts has the athleticism and the ball skills to win any one-on-one matchup. 
So even if it's a 50-50 ball, that 50-50 ball is more like an 80-20 ball with Pitts being the receiver. And I don't really see why people think that it's just um, not a good pick. I mean, for us, Mace, like if you are in a tight end premium league and you look at all these targets that he's going to get, I could easily see Pitts getting 10 to 12 a game. And he brings eight catches in. That's eight points just on receptions alone. So I think people are just not really wanting to get fancy with this pick. And they're kind of like thinking, I mean, like Andrews is there, Kelsey's there. I'd rather take one of them or just wait for that second tier guys instead of taking Pitts, uh, the risk of his ADP. But like you said, the stats don't really lie when his rookie year. And I just don't understand why people think that he won't improve on it. And I think it's really silly that they do think that, but I totally agree with you. Um, I would still put him at tight end three. I don't, I can't give him that tight end two spot over Andrews yet, just yet. Um, just because I think that Andrews kind of solidified it last year, but Pitts for sure will be a decade long tight end one. Uh, once these guys give him another year or two and Pitts will be the tight end one fantasy for the next at least eight years. And my next fave is actually Dalton Schultz. Um, this is a guy that I wasn't very high on coming into the season, but then Amari Cooper leaves and you start looking into his numbers more and you're kind of seeing maybe why he's being ranked so high. Um, just some of the numbers here about his season last year, he was sixth in route participation and third in overall routes run. And I just think that this year now, um, especially now with the Tyron Smith injury, Cowboys are going to get the ball out quickly. And I think that Schultz is going to be that guy in that mid to short range area. We know what CD's going to do, but and we know Gallup's that deep deep field guy. But as far as the short range throws go, I really think Dalton Schultz is going to feed off of that. And as far as he goes, I think Schultz will be that guy there. He will be the guy to maybe get six catches a game, I'm thinking. And I think that I just really like him at his ADP. Um, he's at right now about tight end six, tight end seven. Depends on where really what league you're in. But I think that the guys around him, he has probably the safest floor. You look at Kittle and Waller, you know their talent is elite there. But injury-wise, we've had a few years in a row now of Kittle being injured. And Waller's kind of, eh. I'm a little bit concerned about Waller. and I'm actually going to talk about him later uh, in our fade aspect, a little sneak peek there. But as far as Mr. Dalton Schultz goes, I'm a large fan of him just because of um, the trust that Dak Prescott has in him. We really saw that towards the end of last year. Um, and it was just kind of really dignified that next year, as in this year, uh, Schultz will have a much larger role in this offense. Yeah, and I don't think Schultz is necessarily the most talented guy. Mm -hmm. I, I really don't think he's that good. Uh, but the circumstances and he is going to get as you said a lot of targets i i think his floor is very high i don't see him having the same bust potential as the guys that are going around him the wallers the hawkinsons the kittles um even dallas goddard's not going too far behind dalton schultz right now so i do like his floor a lot again i don't think he's that good but just the the amount of targets that he will command in that dallas offense it's looking a little bit thin right now is going to make him a viable option, no matter what. No matter how good he plays this year, I don't see a world where he doesn't finish the top 10 tight end. So I like that pick Pick there as your second favorite. Uh, my second favorite, though, is the guy we touched on a little bit in our divisional previews. This is a guy I have 
well, well, well above his ADP. He's currently the tight end 17 right now. I've got him at tight end 9, and that is Irv Smith, another uber-talented tight end. Uh, He played in Alabama, went off at Alabama. Anytime we've seen him get any opportunity at the NFL level, he's gone off. And this is a guy that's still super young. And most tight ends we don't see really take off until they're 24, 25 years old. And Irv Smith is now 24 years old and primed to take that next step. We see a Minnesota offense that is just drooling for a number two pass catching option. Adam Thielen is no longer that guy. He's just kind of a good route runner, good hands slot guy I see this year for them. So Irv Smith, I could really see being that number two target, that that big bodied target for Kirk Cousins this year. And in a team on a team that's going to throw the ball as much as they are, even if Irv Smith doesn't take over as that number two pass catch, catching option, I don't see him not finishing as a tight end one, a top 12 tight end. So Irv Smith to me is a guy that at his ADP is an absolute grab right now as the tight end 17. I th- Some of these names are laughable that are going in front of him, but definitely Herb Smith is a guy with all the talent and he's going to get all the opportunity this year as he's coming into his uh, kind of, kind of prove it season with the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. And um, we talked about Herb Smith. when We did our NFC North uh, preview and the other guy we talked about in that same division will be my next guy, but just to comment on Herb Smith a little bit more, um, people don't really realize the benefit of uh, the Kevin O'Connell hire will be for Irv Smith. Um, I know it's Tyler Higby, but you have to look at the numbers of the, the Rams offense. Um, they had a tight end running a route specifically Tyler Higby on about 76% of their plays. And that's a large difference to what the Vikings were last year. So he's going to get the opportunities and, if you really look at the Vikings offense, we talked about we did this. It's a very 1A, 1B thing, you know? We know that Jefferson's there. We know that Cook's there. I mean, you look at the other guys there, Thielen's okay. But we really, they don't have that number two receiving guy. And I really think that there's going to be so much room in the open field for Irv Smith to operate. And if Kevin O'Connell runs the same offense like he did with the Rams, and he really, really uses him like that, Irv Smith has such a higher ceiling than Tyler Higby ever will, and that will really come to fruition. So I totally agree with you. His ADP is a smash, and if you don't get a shot at the top three, um, just wait for a guy like this and wait for my next guy, uh, which is another guy we talked about pretty extensively. And he's a guy now that's been very hyped on Twitter and very hyped across pretty much every YouTube video I've seen, and that's Cole Komet. And... Cole Komet really has the best situation, not as far as the team goes, but as far as fantasy relevance goes. I think that it's his third year. It's the breakout now for him. And I really think that the new offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, I think that what they'll do is they're going to try to get fields a little bit more mobile. And I really think that will involve Komet being that go-to checkdown guy, whether that be short ins or short outs. It doesn't really matter. Because at the end of the day, he's a big body. And if they do get to the red zone, he will be their number one preferred target. You know, you look at his frame and his size and athleticism. You know, the the ones that jump out of the box to you is size. Um, he's a very tall, big, muscular guy. But he's also 87th percentile in height, 88th in vertical jump, and 89th in broad jump. So 
those are three factors right there that help you in the red zone. And he's not a guy like Pitts that can break off for burners and huge runs and Kelsey that are elusive. But Komet's a very one-on-one aspect tight end. If you watch him play, you'll see that. He's going to win a lot in the open field, and he might not get those big runs, but he's going to just chop down the clock and chop down uh, the field. And in a PPR league or in a tight end premium league, this is a guy to look out for deeper down because I could see him realistically getting about six catches a game just because fields will need him to. And he might not get a touchdown every game, but he'll still get you a safe floor every week, I think. And they're going to be down a lot. They're going to need to throw the ball a lot. And as far as his safest option goes, Darnell Mooney's there, but no one is safe from this offense than Cole Komet. So as far as we're drafting him, he's in that third tier of tight ends, in my opinion, just the top of it. He's about the tight end 11. So you'll probably be the last guy in your uh, league drafting him unless someone reaches on him over maybe the Zach Hertz or Dawson Knox, which I would agree with. I would have Komet over those two personally. Um, Komet's my tight end nine this year, uh, my rankings. But as far as he goes, um, we've talked about Cole Komet a lot. We talked about it even more extensively on the division preview about him because there wasn't much to talk about in Chicago. But as far as this year goes, if you pass on a tight end early, there's two guys that you want to target late, and that's Irv Smith and Cole Komet. All right, man. Yeah, I, I, I like Cole Komet. He's one of my I, – I, there's some guys I like more than him, but Cole Komet is, is a young guy that I do really like, and I like some of those points there you made um, in terms of kind of the type of offense I think that they will be running this year in Chicago. Um, now we'll move to my last fave before we get to our fades, and this is a very simple one, my reasoning on it. Um, it's Gerald Everett from Los Angeles. Really, when it comes down to it, keep keep it short, he is an uber-athletic tight end on – in an uber explosive offense um there's no reason not to like the guy there's really no competition there in the tight end room and we've seen flashes of him with his time uh, with russell wilson but ultimately we can't put his lack of production on gerald at gerald everett this is a guy that was always productive before going in with russell wilson and something a lot of people forget is Russell Wilson, as amazing he has been for his wide receivers, has never fed his tight ends. You think about Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham was, at the time, one of the most productive pass-catching tight ends ever in the NFL. He gets traded to Seattle and became very, very, very average with Russell Wilson. So I just don't think Russell Wilson likes to use his tight ends. Um, Everett was a great prospect. He actually went early second round, 12th pick of the second round back in 2017. So he has all the tools. He's never gotten the opportunity. And now he's going into a loaded, loaded, loaded Chargers offense. that's going to be throwing the ball as much as they possibly can all day long. Give me as much Gerald Everett as I can. He's currently tight end 21, man. He's free. You can literally draft him in the last round of your drafts. He's a free player at this point that has huge potential. And I see being a comfortable week-to-week play at your tight end spot. Yeah, man. this is That's a guy that I told you about a few weeks ago, and you were very indifferent on him. But now it's changed. And I, I can see why. I can see maybe if you don't really look into it that much, you'll maybe see why Gerald Everett. This is a guy that's like a literal free waiver wire guy. But – you have to realize the situation he's going to. And it, it's just funny because it seems like no one's really noticing the fact that there's no one else there. 
And I'm not sure why people aren't just taking the shot on him because it's such a good offense. And they're going to be throwing the ball so much. And I just, I don't understand why they had Jared Cook last year. And people keep thinking they're going to have the same offense. And they're going to have the same idea as Jared Cook as they are now with Gerald Everett. And it's just not true. And it's a, a good point you made about um, Jimmy Graham when he went to Seattle because Russ just does not throw those tight ends. And I think that's why Gerald Everett has a little bit of a, not a frowned upon, maybe you could say in the fantasy community. But I think that now where you're drafting him, if you just avoid tight ends and load up your team in every other way, he'll have a safe eight to 10 point floor. And that's all you really need from a guy that's a literal free tight end. So I completely agree with you there. And as far as faves go, we can wrap up, man. And uh, now we're going to the guys that we don't like so much. And for me, my first fade is actually Dawson Knox. Um, And because I just can't see him getting nine touchdowns again, uh, the truth of the matter is that there's a lot of guys in this offense. Um, Most of these touchdowns came before Gabe Davis's emergence. And towards the end of the season, it was really a Diggs and Davis show. Knox was not very important. And even in the last few weeks, I think Knox had one or two catches in the last two, three games combined. So I get the fact he was the preferred red zone target, but I just don't see it happening now. Um, Isaiah McKenzie is broken out. They have James Cook now. Gabe Davis is broken out. And of course, they still have Steph Diggs. And I just don't see where Dawson Knox really fits in here, especially at where he's being drafted. This was like waiver wire guy. This is a guy that was like Gerald Everett last year. He was in the tight end 18 to 25 range in most um, formats. And to him to now be at rank nine for tight ends after a season where he didn't even have 600 yards is a little bit crazy to me. And just the numbers about him speak alone. There's a lot of red flags on his profile. And it's just the target per route run just does not appeal to me. It's 14%, which is a low half of the NFL. So for me to now take a top nine tight end pick on him, I just don't see why. Um, If he was maybe in the low tens, I would do it. But I just can't see myself taking him over guys like Komet, Irv Smith, um, Albert O. And I don't know. As far as that goes, I'm not going to take Knox personally. Um, I love him personally as a player. He's a lot of fun to watch. But as far as the situation now goes for him, I just don't see him getting those red zone looks anymore. And that's what he really built his uh, career on. Yeah, I'm with you. Obviously, I'm a Bills fan, but I'm just not high on Dawson Knox either. I've got him as tight end 13 right now. You look at what he did last year to put up a a top 10 tight end season. He had 50 catches, 600 yards. Um, neither of those are going up. They've added weapons. Gabe Davis is going to be a much larger part of this offense. So those I, I kind of see as as about where Knox is going to be again is about 45 catches, 550 yards is where I have him right now. But then he caught nine touchdowns. That simply is not going to be repeatable this season with the emergence of Gabe Davis being the go-to red zone guy. So to me, Dawson Knox, I see kind of topping out at seven touchdowns and all of a sudden that pulls him out uh, from that tight end one consideration those top 12 tight ends so i'm with you not a big knox guy this year either um another guy i really am not big on is mr albert O. so this is a guy that's had a lot of hype ever since the russell wilson trade um i've got him 
buried in my rankings right now. He played deep into the uh, the final preseason game for the Broncos, which shows he in no way has this tight end room secured. And there is no way I am spending a fantasy football draft pick on a guy that isn't even the top tight end on his team. So Alberto, they're just going to be rolling through their tight ends this year by the looks of it, riding the hot hand. There's absolutely no reason to draft him. He is not a rosterable tight end for 2022 fantasy. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I don't really think we need to spend much time on him because it's not that relevant of a uh, story there, but I agree with you on that fade. And not my- to mention Wilson. We have not, Russell Wilson there, not too. Not to mention Ooh. the tight end killer. Not <laughs> yeah. to mention the guy we just mentioned. So I agree with you, man. And uh, I just feel like because of Russ, he's now shot up in rankings. And he's still kind of in that undrafted range. But I still feel like people will see this whole Russell Wilson thing and freak out. Oh, that he's never had a quarterback like this. And I just don't get it. It just keeps happening. And we'll just have to we'll have to see on him. But as far as you said it's just Russ Wilson with the tight end and we know what he does with tight ends. And for me, it's a fade for you. It's a fade. Uh, so you just got to trust us in that one. And my next fade is um, actually a Darren Waller. So this is our kind of big first fade guy in the big five. And it's nothing to do with him. Like we mentioned the last few weeks, this is nothing to do with the players themselves. Most of the time it's actually ADP and situation related. And for me, I'm just worried now that his ADP is too high for what he's going to be doing. He's at the tight end five. He's got the tight end five locked up this year. And I get the fact that it's Darren Waller. We've seen what he's done, but the injuries, he's not young anymore. He's 29 and he didn't really play a lot last year. And I really think that he had a fully healthy offseason. I know he did, but he, if he came back this year, normally it'd be okay. But now you're talking about an offense of the Raiders that now has Devontae Adams. So, how many targets is Waller really going to get? And I understand that they've, they're have they going to pay him. They're going to extend him, give him money. But it's because you can't let Darren Waller just walk away. And you just can't let him not play. But realistically, we're going to look at two guys on this team with Renfro and now Devontae Adams that Carr loves throwing to. And do I see a lot of room now for Waller to be a tight end five? I just personally don't. I want him to prove me wrong. But... As far as it goes, it's just there's going to be a lot of targets going the other way. And we don't really know what that running back room, but we've seen before Carr loves throwing out of the backfield. And I just don't see Waller having that dignified role that he used to have. And people really have not dropped his ADP like it used to be. We know last year he was top three, but Pitts, with the Pitts emergencing, um, we can't really give him that anymore. But for me, I would maybe slide him down to tight end seven. Um, there's just some guys I prefer more there than him. And I think that just because of the emergence of Devontae Adams, I don't see him being a top five tight end this year. Yeah, it's a tough buy for me right now at the price as well. Um, I, I can see him dropping a lot of drafts, to be honest. When it really comes down to it, I don't think people are going to be pulling the trigger as early as they do in mocks. So we could we could see some value with Waller um, it, when it actually comes to our drafts. But as of right now, where he's going, he's going – just uh, just inside the fourth round there, which is just a little rich for my blood as well. Um, my second fade is Mike Gesicki out of Miami. Unfortunately, uh, 
was a big prospect at one point, just has never really panned out. And now they've brought in Tyree Kill. And this isn't a team that I think is going to throw the ball a lot in general. And when they do, it's going to Waddler Hill 90% of the time. This whole offense is going to run through those two guys. Maybe Gasicki gets the leftovers when somehow, if if it ever even happens, a play where Waddle and Hill both get locked down, maybe Gasicki gets that look. But as of right now, he is maybe the third target option on a team that already has an unproven passing game and an even more unproven quarterback running that passing game. So this is a guy that I don't see how you'd be spending. He's, he's going right now as tight end 12. To me, he has the same same floor and ceiling as some of these guys you're taking around tight end 20. So I guess Gasicki, he kind of has the name. He's somewhat done it before, but in no way is this a guy that you should be drafting to be a, a starting tight end for you week one. Yeah, man. Um, you sent me your fades first. I was going to do Gasicki, but I obviously couldn't. And uh, it's pretty obvious why. It's a run-heavy offense in the first place. And now not only do you have Hill and Waddle, uh, but you also have a very good pass-catching running back they brought in. It's Chase Edmonds, too. So the, he's going to be doing a lot of checkdowns for Tua. And I just think that with the now Tyreek Hill being there, he's their go-to outside guy. And I think that Waddle's kind of be in that medium to short range that we talked about. Um, we talked about him and Tyreek Hill, I believe, last week. And I just don't really see where Kasiki fits in here. And there's already been reports coming out that he's going to be a, a very dignified blocker in this offense. And as a fantasy owner, you just don't want to see that ever with any tight end, especially. And I just don't see his target numbers being there. And he's just not that great after the catch. And he's shown that in the last few years. So it's just, he averages about 3.2 yards after reception. And that's 41st out of 42 qualifying tight ends. So he's second last in the NFL. So for a guy that, one, is not going to get a lot of targets anymore, and now, two, can't ever get yards after the catch, in a, a thirdly, even in a run-first offense, I just don't see why. And I could see him even going lower than his ADP right now. At 15, I could see him even being lower than that. So as far as Mike Kosicki, um, I'm done with him this year. I am the last year, but this year, it's, it's a no for me. And uh, my last fade is a guy that has a very soft spot in my heart for the last multiple years. But this is it for me. It's Evan Engram. And knowing fantasy football, this will be the year he breaks out. But I just, I can't draft him anymore. And you know what? If you're in a deeper league, if you see him there, it's not a guy you'd be drafting regardless. But there is now being said, talked about on Twitter a lot, that he should be being drafted. He should be... Um, a fantasy-owned tight end, and I just don't get why. Um, this is a guy that forever he's played has had trouble making contested catches, which I don't know how because he's six foot three and has a forty-inch vertical, and he's two hundred fifty pounds. But I just don't understand why people are now all of a sudden wanting to draft him. I get he's now on Trevor Lawrence's team and he's playing with a very talented quarterback, but I just don't see him really fitting in. At, as a fantasy-relevant tight end. 
And I, I get that he doesn't have a lot of competition in Jacksonville, but I just I can't see where he fits in there. I think that he's just going to be a field spreader, and I can't really see Lawrence trusting him if he catches some big balls, and we know that he will. Um, he won't make those big plays, and as far as Evan Engram goes, it's just going to be a pass for me this year. Yeah, that's a crowded offense, an unproven offense uh, as well there in Jacksonville. And I just, he's had chances, and we're not even talking about the injury risk that's there with Evan Ingram. Even when the guy has produced, he has then gotten hurt. So at this point, there's no reason to spend a draft pick on him. Obviously, keep an eye on him because he is he's an explosive guy. He's an athletic guy. Keep an eye on him. And if he, if he breaks out, go grab him off the waiver wire. But for now, there's no need to spend that draft pick on him. So our, our final fade of the day. And this is what I'm passionate about. And that's David Njoku. I, I, I'm, a former, I'm a former Njoku lover. I was all over Njoku for many years when they first brought in Baker. And he stabbed me in the back year after year. Wasted talent year in, year out. And it's not going to change this year. I'm here to tell you that. I don't know. First of all, how he got the contract he did. And Joku has never produced. I wish I got paid millions of dollars to do my job at an extremely sub-level rate, like Njoku is. That would be really nice. Um, Njoku's a terrible tight end. He's not a good tight end at all. I can't believe he got... First of all, he they they added him for an extra year. They gave him the franchise tag and then give him a big extension. They've invested in this guy for some reason. I don't know why. David Njoku's not good. He's not going to have a good quarterback until near the end of the season when Cleveland's out of it, and this season's just going to be a crapshoot for them at this point. David Njoku will not do anything once again, and all you guys that are hyping him up as a top-12 tight end, you're just straight-up wrong. There is absolutely zero potential for Njoku to have a breakout season. He's done. Write him off. In Dynasty, if you can trade him for a fourth-round pick, trade him for your fourth-round pick. This guy is completely useless and will never have any fantasy relevance. And that is uh, my very strong take on Mr. David Njoku. And I think uh, all the 50-50 fans out there are now starting to realize how much Mason actually dislikes David Njoku now. And I think that kind of just was the tip of the iceberg there. As far as I go, I'm not as opposed to him. I still don't like him at all. And I agree with Mace where... I don't understand why people all of a sudden think this is his year to break out because it's now his sixth season in the league. If I'm correct, Mace, he was 2017 draft. So it's his sixth season now in the NFL and he's done absolutely crap all to prove himself, but the Browns just franchise tagged him. So it's just another classic Cleveland Browns move. And as far as fantasy relevance goes, I just don't see the point in ever taking him. People keep saying, oh, well, Jacoby Brissett will throw to his tight end. They'll throw to Njoku, and he's better than Baker. In no world is Jacoby Brissett better than Baker Mayfield. And Njoku, with Baker Mayfield, didn't even have 500 yards last year. And that was with a decent amount of targets. That was with 53 targets as a tight end. And he only brought in just over half of them. And I just just don't really understand. With a low catch rate, a 67% catch rate, he he doesn't have great hands. There's been many times where you see him dropping open catches in the middle of the field with no one around him. 
I just don't understand why they franchise tag this guy when they trade all these picks away for this for um, what's his name Watson, and now they just do this too to just to make their offseason even worse. But we're a fancy podcast. We are not a Cleveland Brown um, hating podcast, but this is just another back scratching move they did. And as far as fancy relevance goes, I totally agree with you, Mace. And I just absolutely don't understand why anybody would ever take this guy, especially now where he's being drafted at. So that's it now. That's actually the end of our first Faves and Fades podcast. Um, We have done quarterbacks. We have done running backs. We have done wide receivers. And we have done tight ends. Um, And the season is actually eight days away officially um the bills play the rams next thursday so we have a few minutes here to discuss what we're going to be doing with the next few episodes because i guess we have kind of had that plan in place the last few weeks and tomorrow um we will be recording a mock draft hopefully with another podcast uh so we'll hopefully get that out by friday um if not maybe late thursday night i'll try uh but that's the plan and then our plan going forward with midseason is on Tuesdays, we will be doing um, end of week recaps, but obviously we can't do it this week. So our Tuesday episode is sort of TBD. But as far as, as, far as our Thursday episode goes, it will be our week one preview for that week. And we might even record during the game just to have some stuff to talk about. Um, but as far as that, Mace, you can kind of talk what we're uh, planning here. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited. We've gotten through our, our off-season prep. It's time to move into the regular season. And like Mikey said, uh, a little bit of a collab coming later this week with an, a fellow podcast. We'll keep it a surprise who it is, but uh, they're a pretty big deal. But uh, yeah, we're going to do a little mock with them because we know a lot of people are going into their drafts this weekend. And uh, yeah, obviously super pumped with the season getting started. This off-season has felt really really long so it's gonna be nice to get back to our normal sunday routine kicking back on the couch watching our fantasy teams destroy and then catching some more dubs but thank you so much for listening to our finale of our faves and fate series we look forward to the season and i hope you guys all have yourself an excellent day peace out Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 